Hi, my name is Mary Fenske, and I'm the founder, inventor, and CEO of Posture Wings. And Femtech, to me, is a wonderful way that we can bring health issues that are specific to women to the forefront that have been neglected for years. Welcome to Femtech Focus with Dr. Brittany Barreto, exploring the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. Welcome to the Femtech Focus podcast, where we have meaningful and provocative conversations with femtech experts. These academics, doctors, and innovators tell us about the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Barreto, and today's episode is brought to you by Witham. Witham is a forward-thinking, technology-driven advisory and accounting firm committed to helping companies be more profitable, efficient, and productive in today's complex business environment. Witham's dedicated Femtech team is proud to partner with the members of the Femtech community. Get to know their team at witham.com backslash femtech. Okay, Fem fans, in today's episode, I interview Mary Fenske, the founder and CEO of Posture Wings. The Posture Wings athletic bra supports your breasts, spine, and shoulders while allowing freedom of movement. It's a sports bra that helps with posture support and keeps bone and joints in proper alignment so that the muscles are used correctly. Posture wings are engineered to leverage skeleton and muscles to support breast tissue. The patented straps improve posture support while reducing bounce and pain. The combination of comfortable, efficient breast support with posture positioning is a game changer. Now in this episode, I did a lot more listening than talking. Mary is so informed on the history of bras and the science of posture and breast tissue, it blew me away. Just wanted to keep listening to her recount the stories of how we got to where we are and what the health problems are that women face that may be due to our bras. Learn more about Posture Wings at posturewings.com. Enjoy the episode. Hey, Mary, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. It's great to see you. Absolutely. You just went through the snow apocalypse, uh, making an interview. Where were you again? Um, I was in the Leavenworth, Washington area, and they had to declare it a national disaster, and they brought in the National Guard, and it snowed. In one week, it snowed like six feet, and I was dog sitting for my son and I went to let the um his one lab out uh-huh. and he loves to run in the snow and he leaps and he's very strong and he can get through three feet of snow really easily I let him out and he almost drowned in the backyard I was like um no 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 <laughs> and I tried to get to him and I couldn't get to him and it, it was that was the most traumatic part for me oh. is that my son's dog almost drowned in his backyard in the snow <laughs> Gosh, I remember when I lived in Houston, I lived there during Hurricane Harvey and uh, trying to walk my dog in his chest deep water and like him looking at me like, wait, you want me to go to the bathroom? Like I'm literally swimming <laughs> and I'm like, I'm so sorry. This is where we live in. The city's flooded. <laughs> so crazy stuff, man. Really crazy. Well, I'm glad that you're safe and I'm glad that we can uh, chat today about posture wings and women's health. So let's kick off with a little bit about your background. Tell us um, a little bit more about who Mary is, where you're from, you know, uh, you have an adult son, you know, so like you've been around for a while. Have you always been working (laughs) in women's health? Is it new? Like, give us your story. Okay. Well, I actually have two adult sons. um, (laughs) And um, my regular gig through the majority of my, you know, 30s and 40s and early 50s, uh, was an analyst. So I'm an analyst by trade and I'm just an analytical person. Uh, it's not just what I did, it's who I am. And um, so uh, at the age of 14, though, I was in a bad car accident with my dad and I had a bad whiplash. And so from that point on, I always struggled um, with neck pain. And I didn't realize that actually most women who have a traumatic injury to their neck 80% have a chronic condition. And so as time went on, being an analyst, I was sitting at a computer all the time and my back and neck 
always hurt. <clears throat> and so one morning um, I woke up and I lost the use of my arms. I just really couldn't lift my arms. They I went to physical therapy. They diagnosed my issue as um, compression on my neck. And so I went to physical therapy and they would tape me all up at the end of the therapy sessions in an effort to improve my posture. And I'm like, you know, this tape just pulls my skin. I really need something to crank me back. Yeah. And there, so I said, like, where's the garment? And she laughed. She goes, well, there isn't one. And I'm like, oh, I'm the only one with this problem. And she goes, no, Mary, everyone has this problem. And I'm like, well, if everybody has this problem, why isn't there a solution? And so being an analyst, I went and I looked. And all the products that were out on the market uh, were elastic and Velcro in their design. And they did one of two things. They either tried to straighten your thoracic spine or they tried to pull your shoulders back. And when they pulled your shoulders back, they came from under your armpit and it, it affected your circulation. You can't wear clothes. It just, it didn't work. And so I thought, well, if I could create something for me, then, you know, maybe I can patent it and, you know, make money. And as I was sitting there, all taped up. I had worked at Nokia mobile phones and I thought, wow, wouldn't it be cool if I could just take my phone and adjust the straps to really hold oh. me back? Because as I was, um, you know, I, I tried and I exercised, obviously got the use of my arms back, but I still, I was, I was having kyphosis and my mother was all hunched over. My grandmother was all hunched over and it gave them all this pain. And I thought, man, I don't want to go out that way. Yeah. So What's kyphosis? Really, pardon? What is kyphosis? Kyphosis is, you know, when you get hunched back. Oh, okay. So that's Does that disproportionately affect women because of our bones? Yes. And also because of our bras, but we'll get to that later. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so um, it's all forward head syndrome. Mm. So your head is very heavy and women have a much more fragile neck and shoulder anatomy than men. So forward head syndrome tends to be far more catastrophic to women than men. And as you know, we spend our days hunched over our, our phones, our computers, and every time our head is, is putting a strain on all that muscular area in the back. So I was able, I went out and I looked at all the, uh, uh, the patents and I saw that what I had been, you know, trying to just figure out on my own kitchen table, right? So I went into my closet and just started ripping stuff up. I got a used sewing machine off of Craigslist because I had so I had sold my sewing machine because it hurt to sew. Oh, yeah. So I gave it up years ago, but I'm like, no, I got to figure this out. Mm -hmm. And so I, I met with a guy who had a degree in fashion design and biology. And we met every week. And I just, um, you know, we, I just kept evolving it. So after about nine months, he's like, wow, Mary, you're going to need to leverage off of those Nike resources in Portland, Oregon, because that's where Nike and Adidas innovation is in, in Portland. And I'm like, okay. So I, I went down there, I needed a digital um, pattern maker, which he wasn't one and I wasn't one. And when I did, she came up with this idea of doing lamination. And so my whole approach, um, as I was researching, because I'm an analyst, I understood that, well, let me step back. My diagnosis was a musculoskeletal disorder and it was caused by poor posture, forward head syndrome, which causes all kinds of chronic conditions. Um, it affects, you know, because when you're hunched over, everything gets inflamed. Your shoulders, you get arthritis. It affects your respiration, your digestion, your circulation, everything. So I had figured out what needed to happen to position both the thoracic spine and the shoulders while allowing for full freedom of movement. And what that did was create the muscles to build. 
because here's the root problem. As you have forward head syndrome, or you've been in a car accident, or you've had injury or illness, um, your muscles strain. And when your muscles strain, they weaken. And when your muscles weaken, then your skeleton collapses. Once your skeleton collapses, then all the inflammation occurs. So the key is you've got to put your skeleton back where it needs to be. And here's the kicker, allow for full freedom of movement. And that freedom of movement will um, automatically build the correct muscles then to hold your skeleton back where it needs to be. And so that's what Posture Wings does. And so I filed the patent and I was going to Oregon every week. I um, attained one of the most technical manufacturers that Nike and Adidas use. And was now I had to do manufactured prototypes. And so as I was driving back and forth, I was approaching the bra because I decided my flagship product should be a bra because women are already wearing an upper torso support garment and we suffer more muscular skeletal disorders. And so my whole focus was improving posture. I thought the bra was fine. I thought there was nothing wrong with the bra. I thought there was a reason for our bras. But as I was prototyping, <laughs> and driving back and forth, I would take something out because it was kind because it was expensive on my cogs. Yeah. And it would be challenging for my quality control. And so I would take that aspect out of the bra embodiment and it would markedly change the bra. And I went, well, wait a minute. Well, you know, what have I done? And so I just really began to dial in every single prototype I made. I um, just meditated. I sat in it. I walked in it. I ran in it. I tried to figure out how this was impacting my body, my respiration, my comfort level, my everything. And as I began to do that, about that time, I had... Um, collaborated with Dr. Alan Tenser out of the University of Washington, who was the leading, um, he was leading the biomechanics lab for the University of Washington. And so I knew um, pragmatically that these different things that I was doing to the bra embodiment was having a market effect. And then when I would talk with him, because we were preparing to write a grant, then he would frame it in the medical context of what I was experiencing from a pragmatic, you know, layperson effect. And then that made me think, okay, well, he says, Mary, you, you know, you're creating an exoskeleton, which is what needs to happen. And so then I thought, but wait a minute, why? And he would explain to me how bad our bras were from a huge perspective. And the main core of it all was proprioception, which is the body's own awareness of itself. So we have, you know, sight, smell, taste, um, hearing, but we also have the sensation of temperature and we also have the sensation of proprioception. So everything about the design of the bra actually is very negative to our body and it doesn't it's not effective to support unsupported breast tissue which is only held on by ligaments and skin and so during this whole process i thought well wait how did we get here so i went back and i researched uh corsetry and um you know the hundreds of years that women were marketed to and we're told that our natural state was not attractive, that we had to cinch our waists. And I could go on and on about the corsetry, but the bottom line is when we decided to go into World War I, they banned corset manufacturing. There was too much steel being used and they needed that steel for the war effort. And they retooled all the machines for making corsetry stays to bayonets. So the most technical textile at the time was elastic. So William Rosenthal, um, 
who was the husband of Ida Rosenthal, who had a very famous dress store called Enid Frocks. But they wanted their dresses to be more pretty and shapely. And women were then forced to bind their breast in this boy bando form with elastic because they couldn't buy corsets anymore. And so I tell Ida Rosenthal took it, the boy band of form, she snipped it, she put it in two cups and she gave it to her husband, William, the artist to finish designing uh, the bra. And so he put a rosette in it and he put in pretty satin straps and he patented it. And it is the exact same bra we have today. He put the iron hook in the back because if you had somebody to lace up your corsetry, it was more aristocratic. So Whoa. we have a 14th century invention for our closure and it's in the back. Having overall compression digging into our ribs is very uncomfortable. And, you know, William, bless his heart, he had no understanding of the female anatomy nor the physics of dynamic breast tissue. He had no understanding of proprioception and that if you create something with circumference compression that digs into your ribs all day, and then you use two straps to go over to support this unsupported tissue is causing forward head syndrome um, based on proprioception. My gosh. So, and, and he had the thin elastic strap up high on the thoracic spine, which really created the exasperation. So no matter what you do in the world, no matter what textile bra manufacturers think they can do, a thin elastic strap in the back is never going to support bouncing mass in the front. It's virtually impossible. So even when Lisa Lindahl in the 1970s took her husband jock straps and sewed them together and they successfully marketed it as the jock strap for women because surely what works for the penis and testicles must also work for bouncing breast tissue and so Lisa in her effort to you know somehow reduce the movement used strong circumference compression well and then they call it the jog bra, but they've inhibited our ability for increased respiration for our diaphragm to move. And you can compress breast tissue in, it minimizes the bounce a bit, but breast tissue still moves up and down. It does nothing for the vertical movement in most heavy tissue. Oh my so, God. Mary, I knew I needed you on the show. Some y'all listeners, Mary, I know Mary because she's a an avid Femtech book club attendee. And um, so I've met her several times and every time she would unmute and she would share such an interesting novel information that I was like, who is this lady who knows everything about boobs, everything about bras? And, uh, and I, you know, one of my favorite things about you, Mary, is that you're so um, data driven. This isn't folklore. This isn't, you're not making up. It's like you like did that. You're a historian and a futurist at the same time. I love it so much. Um, Yeah. So what I'm hearing you say is, you know, you had this pre-existing condition because of this childhood car accident you were in. Um, But as you dug deeper into how do I fix my posture so I can feel better, you realized, oh my God, there's actually something that's already inhibiting my posture and it's my own bra. Um, so I, I, I would love for you to finish up, kind of tell us where you're at today with posture wings and how does it work? Because I, I still want to dig even further into the history of bras. I think you are just an um, en- encyclopedia of knowledge about the history of, of bras and stuff. So tell us, um, before we go down that segue, tell us where posture wings is today. What happened? So you're working with this biologist guy and you're talking about bras and the tissue and what happened next? Right. So, um, you know, in essence, I patent the ability to position the shoulder in manual wired wireless and phase change technology for any gender in any upper type of embodiment. So I had four major markets, athletic, medical, military, and sports or um, lingerie. And 
And then wireless was kind of an, an other different thing. Um, so I've, I've gone down to get where I am at today uh, has just been a tremendous series of rabbit holes. It's been really difficult being a woman solopreneur and having my flagship product be a bra did not understand the taboo and the difficulty for investment. Mm-hmm. Even though it was for a men too, um, you know, my flagship product. So I went through a lot of things. I, you know, when I first started, I had a room full of bank presidents and local, you know, apparel icons and business people. And they're like, Mary, you make a small manufactured run, you get some scientific proof and we're going to find you the money. Well, that was in 2007. And then the recession hit after that. So um, I tried licensing. I know you wanted to talk a little bit about NC State too. Yes. Yeah. I'm living in Raleigh right now. Because so before I get to like where I'm at, I mean, it's such a journey that it's just hard to say, okay, here's where I'm at. No worries. No worries. Take it through. This is story time. Everyone's listening. We love the story. (laughs) Tell us. (laughs) Some of the journey. So I had, um, I, I had a study, a pilot study, um, and because of all the grants getting cut and everything, it was small, but I had unprecedented results. I had um, a, a biomechanic study on one person who had massive kyphosis, and we gave her the bra with no physical therapy or anything, and just had her wear the bra for three months and see if it would change. And um, so we had, we took biomechanics, and we took um, physical therapy measurements, range of motion and all that. So she wore the, and it was unprecedented results. It was like her shoulders were like an inch wider. Wow. Um, her, she, her kyphosis was markedly changed. It actually changed her lordosis, which is also the curvature of her spine because everything kind of aligned. Yeah. Her respiration increase, all these things. But it wasn't statistically significant, right? It's just a pilot study. So Washington State University created an entire consortium. They got with Eastern Washington University, which is our physical therapy school. And for five years, we wrote grants to do physical therapy with posture wings and physical therapy without. But the NIH only gave less than 2% of all their um, research dollars to muscular skeletal disorders, even though muscular skeletal disorders affect the gross national product and creates more money and loss of income to the country than heart disease and all cancers combined. What? Giving any money to it. And so it's a global epidemic of pain, wow. right? Musculoskeletal disorders. So, um, anyway, as I had created this um, initial run of 200 units, and I held on to those units because we were writing grants, I was going to get much more bang for my buck that I had bootstrapped this small run, one size, one color, four sizes. Um, so one style, I think I said size. Yeah. I style. <laughs> you got it. yeah. One style, one color, four <laughs> sizes. Um, So, but what I was learning, people were finding me and only if they were in debilitating pain would I then sell them one of my bras. And I started to learn um, how important and how the marketing of the Victoria's Secret anomaly had affected and how we are such a boob-centered culture. And I learned that Women have a primal instinct to attract a mate and what they put on their breasts is a gigantic impact. And so I just had a beige, you know, made a beige bra. um, And I knew to get women, it was going to need to be more fashion forward. And so I was at a, a textile trade show and I met one of the professors from NC State 
and I needed to write a white paper for the military. And so I was got to talking to him at the trade show and he agreed and he went back and he took it um, to the head of their um, fashion and sizing part of the school. So NC State is, um, they have the College of Textiles and it's the largest textile and number ranked number one school in the nation. So we went to another professor and said, hey, I met this entrepreneur and she, you know, this is what she's doing and she wants to bring her garment to be more fashion forward. And they needed an, uh, another product development class for their graduate and senior level students. And so they created a class based solely on helping me take this um, fashion function and make it fashionable. Mm -hmm. So, cause I knew that there were key things that had to happen and so they were going to design and beautify it and make it cool keeping these trade secrets of my embodiment and of course my patented feature so so that's what drove me to nc state and i've also spent time um because of the wireless i also went to the hacks incubator in shenzhen china and they were going to add uh, the wireless components but it's been a tough road of brutal disappointment. Um, right when the military was going to move forward, the budget sequester hit. Um, the team at the Hacks Incubator um, didn't really have the right skills. You know, they needed, they were engineers, they were brilliant, but they needed computer scientists to really, you know, achieve what needed to happen. So uh, it's been tough. So where I'm at now is I continue to look for partnership and licensing and um, money. Yeah, yeah. It's like one of the biggest things that we say we need in femtech is money, money from the government, money from angels, money from venture capital. Um, obviously, I mean, what you just said with you applying for all these grants for physical therapy, I mean, that sounds like a no brainer. now a quick word from our sponsors. Hey Fem fans, did you know that the birth control pill was invented in the 1960s? Well, it's 2021 and we are still taking our daily dose of hormones. It's time for contraception to get an update. Meet Fexi, the first and only FDA approved hormone-free on-demand contraception vaginal gel. Fexi comes in a box of 12 pre-filled applicators and is applied up to an hour before sex. This innovative solution is brought to you by EvoFem Biosciences, NASDAQ EVFM. EvoFem is developing and commercializing innovative products to address unmet needs in women's sexual and reproductive health, including hormone-free, women-controlled contraception and protection from certain sexually transmitted infections, including chlamydia and gonorrhea. EvoFem recently launched the House Rules campaign with Fexi brand ambassador Annie Murphy, the Emmy award-winning actress from Schitt's Creek fame. Learn more about Fexi at Fexi.com or EvoFem.com. Be sure to check out the House Rules video on YouTube. It is hilarious and amazing. That's Fexi, P-H-E-X-X-I.com. And now back to the interview. what does it kind of look like? What should we, we imagine? And also like what's happening with the breasts while wearing posture wings? Right. Well, they can go, um, I have a Facebook page and I have my regular, you know, posturewings.com too, and they can see it. Uh, some of the prototyping that we did, that we did at NC state. Um, so it, it looks like an athletic bra primarily it's a zipper front. Um, fortunately, multi-strap uh, became very cool. And when I started this, I actually invented the multi-strap bra. It was when we were at NC State, uh, because there are huge um, brands, like Hanes Brands has a office on Centennial Campus at NC State. And so the students had my bra in the lab and you have these huge, um, brands coming through and they're like oh look at these bras with multi straps and then 
eight, you know, 12 months later, a year later, Champion, <laughs> which is owned by Haynes Brand, came out with the stretchy. Now they have no function, but the look was there. And I went, oh, uh -huh. thank God, because people um, initially had never seen a multi strap bra. Yeah. Where um, are the straps going on the posture wings? Can you cut? Like okay. Yes, absolutely. So, um, so basically you have what I call the inside straps and what they do is they cross the spine in the back. So they, they come up, if you could just imagine like, let's say just a regular bra that just crosses in the back. Yep. Okay. So that's that function. And, mm -hmm. and um, because I knew myself in wearing bras where the straps crossed my back, I knew that they were better for me. I didn't understand why. Uh -huh. um, it wasn't, you know, as I started to prototype and researching anatomy yeah. and, and all that, and just understanding that breast tissue is not naturally supported by our muscular skeletal system. So um, you have to leverage off of our muscles and skeleton to support that which is not supported. So having the straps cross the spine is, is a huge impact. Um, and then the next set of straps, which are my patented straps, go um, from the pectoral area to the scapula. And that is what allows for the shoulder positioning. And when you position your shoulder, then it changes uh, your uh, cervical uh, spine positioning as well, right? So um, what I say, the inner straps pull you up and the outer straps pull you back. Got and it. then the rest of the garment, I can't give away all my trade secrets, but the, the bra embodiment, there is much more to mine. Because um, mm -hmm. I found out, I, well, I, I will say this, that there is absolutely no need for circumference compression. And when you eliminate circumference compression, it markedly increases the comfort of the garment. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I mean, cutting into your sides is like the biggest thing, or even, um, you know, I used to wear sports bras that were way too small <laughs> until I got some new ones. And I was like, oh my God, I was suffering in those other work, trying to work out with somebody sitting on my chest, essentially, you know, and like holding my lungs tight. Um, and, uh, I wanted and to digging into your ribs at yep. the same time. Yep, exactly. I wanted to ask you about a few things. Cause, um, actually, uh, recently got a personal trainer and to help me work out. And, um, I'm, I'm, my legs are so strong. My legs, mm, I am bottom heavy. I'm strong in my legs. I could squat. I can all do all that. We tried to do something for my pec muscles where I like my arms were wide and I was like supposed to bring in these two like bands. I like, couldn't even do 10 pounds. I was like, am I a baby? Like, what is this? And she was like, yeah, women don't normally work out their pecs. And I was like, yeah, my pectoral muscles, I actually don't even like them being massaged. Like it hurts, you know? And she's like, we're living in a world where they're not, we're just caved over in, you know, and they're just crunched up in there. And I'm like, this is not good. So does that, do bras have something to do with that? Absolutely. Again, it's all about proprioception. Your bra is cueing your body. So let's talk about proprioception oh, again for just yeah. a second. So proprioception is your nervous system is sending the signal to your brain and then your muscle is reacting. So you go out and you, you know, you're in your brain, you go, oh, I want to grab that cup of coffee in front of me. And it's all autonomous, right? It's, it, it all happens automatically, but it's proprioception where you understand how you have to move that muscle, how far your arm has to go and bring it. So it's all proprioception. So your nervous system is sending these signals to your brain all the time. And then your muscles are reacting to these signals in your brain. And so the signal that your bra is sending you constantly is that you're leaning over and you're also getting, you know, your, your ribs are dug into all day. 
And that's why the first thing we want to do is just take off our bra because it's so uncomfortable <laughs> because our nervous system has been sending. It's like having a pebble in your shoe all day. Yeah. Yeah. No, right? I'm laughing because uh, just last night or this weekend, I was at a friend's house. I, at one point in the evening, had taken my bra off and some friends texted me. They said, hey, let's go out. And I said, my bra's off. They were like, okay. And I was like, that means I'm not coming back out. Like once the bra comes off, I unlatch it in the back, take it out through my sleeves. Like I don't want to put that back on. Like it's a hard pass. Um, <laughs> and so what would you say? Like you were talking about like um, the breast tissue is not naturally supported, but we haven't been wearing bras since we were cave women, right? So what were breasts doing or, or today there's like a trend of women not wearing bras anymore, right? So, and there's plenty of cultures where they don't have bras. So tell me about those breasts. What's happening to those breasts? Is that good, better for us or what's going on? Well, okay, so first of all, let's talk about our food supply and hormones in our food chain that happened beginning the 40s and the 50s. I didn't think this was going to be part of our bra episode. I'm so excited. Please tell me why are we bringing this up? <laughs> so, so, you know, you have native indigenous tribes and those types of things and yeah. and and they've just evolved a different way. Now for us, um in more of the Western societies in Europe and the United States, Canada, um, you know, we wore corsets for hundreds of years. And corsetry even goes back to Grecian times. So, and, and there's a lot, again, we'll, we'll talk about, you know, if you were a milkmaid, you had a small corset because you had to move, you had to milk them, you know, you had to milk the cows, right? But when you were very aristocratic, you didn't need to move at all. So you had a much bigger corset. And so, and it always has lent itself to fashion, right? Corsetry and aristocratic. And so, so all that came to be. Um, but what's made it even more problematic for where we are today is the uh, increase of hormones. So um, our breast tissue, we've gone from a in the early 50s to a 32B or 34B, excuse me, 34B was the average size using our technical, you know, sizing charts. Well, now our average is a 36D. And a lot of that is not just because we eat more food, which we do, but it's also the fact that, that all the, our chickens have been given hormones so they lay more eggs in our cows. And, you know, because we've got all these immune stuff because of the horm um, because of the antibiotics, but the hormones have also created problems. Same with birth control too? I would think so. Because I remember um, in high school, um, I had some girlfriends that started their birth control and I remember their boobs all got huge and it was like, what a fun side effect of my birth control, my breasts developed, you know, and, but I always think back to that, like, um, were they supposed to be that big, <laughs> you know, for that girl, but she's in, you know, she's a uh, 16 and starting your birth control. And now she's got all this progesterone in her and estrogen. That's really interesting. I, Cause I, I mean, I think I'm guessing that birth control has evolved a bit and the birth control that I took probably is not the same that your friends are taking. <laughs> um, but that's, I mean, it's hormones, hormones, it's hormones, hormones. Is hormones. Yep. Yep. And, and it's, it's going to affect, you know, the tissue and where we, you know, it, it just affects so much of our life. And so let's talk about now so part of not just even understanding the production, but here, here is a societal issue that has occurred because of the taboo of breasts and because of you know, men not basically caring about it. So all the science of breast tissue support. So in the 50s, the bra industry started doing science and you know they started looking at a couple of things and so somehow 
breast tissue support has never been an interest to the medical world, right? It does like, man, who cares about supporting this bouncing tissue, right? It doesn't really affect us. They're thinking it's ambiguous because right, we've got native people. They don't have bras. We don't need to worry yeah. about the impacts of breast tissue support and what it's actually doing. Um, but so there is one specific university that has been kind of the go-to through inadvertent things. Uh, they have become the leading scientific research of breast tissue support. And so what they cared about, and they knew that bouncing, you know, we don't need to be rocket scientists. Any woman understands that when we're trying to run and, you know, we have our period, our boobs hurt, right? Yeah. Like period. every woman knows yeah. that, Yeah, you know? And so they only cared about bounce. So all of the science around breast tissue support was solely, has solely been focused on bounce. They've never cared about, you know, the bounce and is it making us run weird? Is it screwing up our biomechanics? They just the bounce, just the tissue and just the bounce. So they started doing this deep dive with the bounce. And so the science, they come out the, and remember now they're being supported by the bra industry and the bra bands, brands. So what did they come up with after all the science? They came up with, oh, the problem with bras is that 80% of women are in the wrong size. That's what's wrong. Women are dumb, are not picking correctly. It's on women. Right. Women are stupid. We don't know how to address ourselves. There's absolutely nothing wrong with the bra. The problem is the women. Well, that just infuriated me. And- when I went to the university to try to expand the science, they were not willing to do it. So I've gone to, so Washington State University has been my hugest supporter by far. And also they have someone who is instrumental because she's the leading expert on the difference between male and female neck and shoulder anatomy. And neutral head position is the most important thing for wellness, regardless, men, female, whatever. You must keep your head in neutral head position to be aligned properly and move and function through the world, period. It's the most important thing. Bras have never been made with consideration of neutral head position. I have talked to the leading fitters, global fitters, um, for every major brand. And I bring up the word proprioception, they have never even heard the word. They don't even know what it is. Yeah. So you have, and even if you take Nike, probably the best biomechanics lab in the world, and they know, you know, that they can take their athletes, let's say a famous tennis player and digitize her serve, and know that they can change her sock or her shoes and it's going to change her serve, but they don't do it to the breast tissue. Which I mean, let's just you know, think has a lot of breast tissue. Yeah. <laughs> you would think, see, and people I think too think that all these top are top athlete um, Olympic runners that we put different bras on them. And we run and check the respiration. Like, what's the best thing? Let's put these female athletes on and let's look at their neutral head position and their proprioception, their biomechanics, and let's look at their respiration. And how can we fit them into something that's going to make them be at the top of it? Nobody ever does that. Not never been done. It's, this reminds me a lot of wild AI, which is a fitness app for women with that actually incorporates your period. And it's like, not 
you would think, wait, 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 a personal trainer has never thought like, wait, during her hormone, her menstrual cycle, maybe that's her rest week versus when she's ovulating and she's her strongest, you know, like you would think that somebody's done that, but it's nope. My fitness pal doesn't have it. Like you're all your workout regimens, they don't have it. Um, and then, you know, what you're saying right now is like, we, I would imagine Serena Williams has a specific bra designer for her, her, uh, you know, well-endowed chest to figure out. And I mean, if you're thinking about serving, these things are in the middle of the way, you know, these things are right in the way, whether it's basketball or skiing, or I'm just trying to think of everything that has to do anything with moving your arms, almost everything. And and then here's the big kicker. Good thing you're sitting down, Brittany, because 51% of women suffer severe breast tissue pain. Wow. Over almost 50,000 women uh, had breast reduction in 2018. Yeah. So women go the knife to reduce this tissue. Yeah. Um, because their back hurts so bad. Yeah. Well, their back hurts so bad because no bra, except for posture wings, has ever been designed to use their muscular skeletal system to support that which is not naturally supported. Do you think that based on all the knowledge you have, which is a lot, and I love talking, I love listening to you. Most podcasts, I talk a lot more. This one, I'm like, I'm not talking as much. Mary's got some great info. But is there an advantage to keeping women disabled almost? You know, I know that's like a, maybe not the right word to use, but like, why, why are we not advancing or studying breasts and backs and shoulders and posture and neck? And like, is there some kind of advantage keeping women's collarbones weak, you know, and our necks forward? No, except it's just, it's an, it's, I, I don't know why this has happened to me. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know why. <laughs> I never, I, you know, as a little girl, I thought, I know I'm going to try to single-handedly disrupt a billion dollar industry that successfully sells their product via sex. Yeah. <laughs> all my money and be, you know, and no, I don't, it's, it's, we're just so conditioned. This comes from hundreds of years of not letting, you know, hundreds of years saying women's natural state, you're thick waisted and you're twisted and you need to have broken ribs and displaced all, you know, those corsets displaced all our internal organs. Honestly, I don't know how we survived as a species. Uh, through some of these different corsetry. I mean, look at the big hoop skirts. I mean, it was bizarre what women wore. Um, And then, you know, William, bless his heart, you know, he just had no understanding when he designed that bra and it's just stuck. And the problem is you've got brands, newer brands and women owned by women who took that science saying 80% of women are on the wrong size bra and we just need to make more sizes. They just never understood that it's, it's just been flawed. The yeah. science, you, we must expand the science of breast tissue support. It is affecting us because here's, here's the other thing. So they did um, a study on does our pain of our breast uh, discourage exercise? Well, as women, we know that, it, you know, but we got to have a study, right? So they do the study and they realize, yes, absolutely. Breast tissue size and the pain of the breast tissue impedes a woman from exercise. Now, let's look at all the health um, issues that women suffer more than men. Women are 80% of autoimmune diseases. We suffer more stroke, thyroid conditions, way more depression and anxiety. And what is a contributing factor to all those illnesses that can make you better is exercise. So all these things that women are suffering more from, exercise can help, but we're not exercising because our boobs hurt. 
Do you think there's any correlation between um, this, what we've done to our breasts and breast cancer rates or breastfeeding? Do you think that because, and I mean, I'm totally asking you to speculate if there's no studies, but you, you have so many internal data points I'm asking you and we're, you know, this is not scientific, but you know, is there any correlation there? Yes. I'm, you know, I'm going to go out. I'm, you know, I'm going to be vilified bad, but here's the bottom line. When I went, because it's even in the journal of science, medical science saying that uh, underwire doesn't cause breast tissue cancer. There's no effect, but when you actually, so I so I went to the cited studies and you read them and they're not, I mean, there's no control group. There's, there's never, I talked to one of the leading breast oncologists. He's in Germany and he was the head of um, all these different pharmaceutical companies because he was a a breast cancer oncologist for years. And so then he kind of went into the drug world. Now he's kind of going into AI. And I was talking to him and he said, I said, I don't understand how can all these journals claim that you know, all these studies that I looked at are completely flawed. And he goes, I know. He said, Mary, if you do a study, if you can get money to do a study on circulation of the tissue, because my question to him was, my understanding, the lymph in the breast is different than any other lymph throughout the body because it's more passive. It's not close to arterial circulation. And so that's kind of, I was curious about that. And so he said, absolutely. You know, the, the lymph in the breast tissue is different. It needs drainage and it needs movement because it's more veins instead of arteries by it. And so I said, well, I can't find those studies that these journals are claiming that underwire is not causing cancer, but it is affecting the lymph and the lymph drainage and impeding it. And he goes, well, yeah, it absolutely is. And I'm like, God, I'm, I'm like, it's, it's like, it, to me, it feels like the crime of the century. Yep. Yep. The and I mean, that, go ahead. I was just gonna, I'm agreeing with you. My sister had a baby last year and she, uh, her, her ducks were clogged and it's like, maybe these women are, you know, they're getting so close to labor and delivery, their breasts are getting so large and we're wearing these contraptions that are limiting the flow and the movement of stuff. Right. And now, you know, the doctors are like, just massage your breasts that feel like rocks. And, you know, at that point, it's like almost too late, you know? Yeah. Yes. It, 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 it is interesting and it's sad. And, you know, we're, the United States is really behind <laughs> as far as, you know, infant mortality and, and all these things. And the, the thing that has to shift is we have to take the science, we have to take the science away from the brands, from the yeah. raw brands, from paying for the science because they don't care about women's health care about product information and how to sell more bras they don't they don't care on how it's really impacting our respiration they don't do any of those testing and i mean they might care but at the end of the day people have to vote on that budget right and if there's a the, the majority of people at that table think that doesn't inflict, you know, why, how is that going to affect our sales this year? If it doesn't, then we're not voting on it. Right. But if we have enough people like you and I at the table that we say, actually long-term, like this is a- absolutely vital to our sustainability as a bra industry. Right. Um, well, Mary, this, we, we, we're talking, I would love to just hang out with you and learn about all the things, you know, cause you were so informed. What I'd like to ask you before our last two questions is just for, you know, posture wings, you're still looking for funding. You know, if anyone out there is like on, this is unacceptable. We need to fix this. Please call Mary. <laughs> um, but, uh, what should women do in the meantime, uh, while we're waiting for posture wings to hit the market while we're like, you know, while we're still living, buying our bras at Target or whatever, what should we do in the meantime to help our posture and our bones and our chest? Well, I think for sure, um, I would try to avoid underwire. I know some people and leading people really uh, 
love the underwire, but you know, people like to smoke too. So that's their choice. <laughs> I think what's really important um, at the very least, uh, you get bras across the spine. The racer back is ineffective at that. And it can't be strappy, right? So a garment has to have, a garment must mimic uh, static textiles to match bone and stretch to equal muscle. So, you know, I guess the bare minimum people should have um, straps that don't stretch that cross the back. That would be the bare don't minimum. Crisscross. Don't crisscross in the back. No, it does crisscross. Does crisscross. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It cool. crisscrosses in the back and it doesn't stretch. So that's mm. going to, because the thing that holds up our entire upper body is our spine. Mm -hmm. So you have to leverage off of the spine to help support bouncing tissue that is not normally supported. You know, that's so interesting. You see that my favorite sports bra right now has it's crossed in the back. So now I'm, whew, I'm going to have a lot to think about next time I'm on the treadmill. Um, <laughs> Well, Mary, this has been so amazing. Our last two questions real quick here. Um, our listeners really love them. So we have a lot of aspiring founders listening, a lot of university students, people looking to leave their current industry, get into women's health. What's an area in women's health and wellness that still needs innovating in your opinion? Um, I mean, just so much. The, uh, the menopause. I mean, again, to me, it's all about the breast issue. I just think there's so much to understand about how our breast tissue evolves through our life from adolescence mm -hmm. to menstruation to, um, you know, then we go to nursing and then we go into menopause. What is that tissue doing all those years? And, and what can we do to just stay so healthy um, and really understand you know, the evolution of, of our bodies as we go through all these really significant things of childbearing and nursing. And we just, we're a marvel. Yeah, breasts, breasts <laughs> go through a lot. Breasts go through a lot. I mean, they're a sexual organ. They're reproductive for breastfeeding. They're, you know, they're getting in the way of our exercise, but they're also part of our self-esteem. There's mastectomy issues. There's nipple graphs. There's like, there is a lot going on. And I wonder if there's any um, studies that have even been done. I'm just going to go on a limb and probably say no, that if uh, they've studied breast tissue in different women of different races, you know, and how it's different between different women. Oh, wow. Yeah. I haven't even gone there, but yeah, yeah it's that, I mean, <laughs> we're at like the fundamental level. God forbid we actually start to say, Hey, let's get specific here. <laughs> well, and that is interesting too, because I just really think like the shape of the spine of Asian people are a bit different. And so, you know, um, and I think, you know, so how does that affect um, their breast tissue support? Yeah. Y'all, somebody give this woman a grant. We have a lot of questions. <laughs> um, <laughs> and the last question we have for the podcast is uh, what do you think the femtech industry needs the most right now in order to be successful? Well, money. Money. You know, yeah. uh, money, 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 and um, just the removal of the taboo. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I would forget uh, to me, you know, dealing with the bra and the breast tissues is like, you know, a sock, right? Yeah. But I would forget, I, I'd whip out my bra, uh, not on my body, but, you know, <laughs> I would just have a prototype and I'd be talking to an investor or something in a room full of people and I'd whip it out and I'd start talking about, you, you know, my patent or whatever. And, and then I'd look up and I'd realize that, like they're all red. They're kind of looking over the shoulder. Is anybody, you know, looking at me? Cause this woman is showing me a bra, you know? And yeah. I was like, Oh shit. <laughs> sexualized, sexualized. Right. It's like, you know, yeah. Um, interesting. Well, I, I wish the best for you, Mary, you are so informed. You have so many interesting stories and, uh, I'm so glad to have had you on the show. Well, thank you so much, Brittany. I really appreciate it.
Thank you for listening to my interview with Mary Fenske, the founder and CEO of Posture Wings. To learn more about this bra and the history of these undergarments, visit posturewings.com. Already Femme fans, be sure to give the show a five-star review, share it with a friend, join our virtual community at femtechfocus.org, and join the thousands of other femtech founders, investors, and mentors advancing women's health. While in the virtual community, sign up to be a FemPro member for only $10 a month and get access to the FemTech Institute, a library of FemTech and startup lessons that are sure to help you advance your startup and teach you more about the FemTech industry. Keep an eye out for our monthly FemTech book club that happens the last Wednesday of every month and subscribe to our newsletter. Last but not least, please consider setting up a monthly recurring donation to Femtech Focus. We are a 501c3 nonprofit and rely on your donations to operate. Okay, Fem fans, until next time, keep innovating because improving women's health and wellness improves everyone's health and wellness. Mm-hmm.